Hello, this is Tom Mullahan. I am so glad you could join us today. This is the first and possibly the only episode of uh, a potential series, as uh, God leads, we'll see how it goes, but uh, of, of a uh, series called Fuel for the Fire. And uh, the purpose of it is to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and to help you draw closer to Him and to more intimately know Him and experience His p- plan and power and love in your life and, uh, and, and just to, to bear the fruit that uh, you desire to bear for Him and, and, uh, and for which you were created to bear. So uh, I'm glad you could join us today and I hope it is an encouragement to you and um, I hope that uh, also that uh, you'll know uh, the Lord more deeply uh, as a result of the time that we spend together in this. I just want to touch base with you today on the um, uh, on the temptation that we have of uh, throwing away our confidence in God and His Word and His love. Uh, when uh, we're beset, as we are in the world today, with all kinds of temptations and pressures and struggles and so forth, it it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that God is with us and that he accompanies us in the journey that we call life. And uh, we often, uh, because we don't see things working out the way that we had hoped or dreamed and planned, uh, it's so easy to feel that God's withdrawn himself or perhaps was never there in the first place. And we become discouraged and uh, we begin to wander. We begin to entertain ideas and thoughts that um, poison our our faith in Him, our hope in Him, and uh, the joy of walking with Him. And so uh, I just want to draw your attention today to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 35. And it simply says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Confidence. The the the, um, the main point of it, this passage is simply to to remind us that where we can be confident in God, uh, it, it's it's something worth valuing and worth protecting, and and uh, and we uh, are um, under an assault constantly in the world with different ideas and thoughts and things that. That um, that attack our confidence in God, and um, we uh, we're we're often victimized by it. And it's not because God intends it. It's not because God, because God can't do anything about it. It's simply because um, our hearts are vulnerable when we're not intentional in our uh, walking with Him and and in our pursuit of the peace that passes all understand surpasses all understanding, as He tells us. So, um, again, you know, we uh, uh, find ourselves with conflicting messages in the world constantly, um, you know, where things may not be so direct. For instance, we have some who outwardly, very openly uh, attack the idea of God, especially the Christian idea of a personal God, uh, as he expresses himself through uh, the Savior Jesus Christ, the incarnation of God, who laid his life down for us as as a... substitutionary sacrifice uh, and and the idea too that he rose from the dead after he was crucified uh, all of these things are uh, very much under attack by uh, the the world and the world system and and it's it's simply because it it, it flies in the face of our confidence in ourselves and um, 
And if you'll, if you think about it, from the very beginning of Scripture, there there has been a constant invitation for us to place our confidence in our in ourselves, and our own reasoning, our own intellect, our own abilities, and so forth. Even in the even in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent, uh, the the uh, the confidence that they had in God was attacked, and a substitute idea that uh, we, they placed their confidence in something else uh, and in, in themselves in particular was given to them. But even when um, things are not so directly um, and obviously uh, attacking us, there's, there are subtle ways that uh, we're still attacked and that has a lot to do with uh, just the fact that we're naturally impatient and uh, we, we don't understand God's timetable, we don't understand how he's working in the background and in the details of life and so forth. And because we don't understand and because we judge God by our limited mortal perspective, um, we often uh, lose hope and lose our sense of confidence in him. Uh, when you think about it too, the idea of having confidence in God and having confidence in his word and his love, uh, it, it's multifaceted because uh, we'll, we'll have the idea that flashes through our mind that uh, God doesn't love us or God is not present or that God does not have power. God is not uh, able somehow to help or to lead or to provide for us uh, in life. Uh, or it, it, sometimes it's, there's a back door to it in which maybe those ideas aren't explicitly thought in, in our own minds and hearts or even said to us, but... Uh, we're given these alternatives constantly. Um, you know, you could do this in your way, do what makes sense to you, uh, do things that are that have immediate, quick results, and so forth. And and we tend to want to take shortcuts. We we want, uh, as I often refer to it, the silver bullet for our problems. And we look for these things that uh, that will just solve the immediate effect of a problem or cause of pain in our lives. Uh, and we'll not. Um, uh, will not be patient with the Lord and will not be patient with his way and 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 we find shortcuts and we look for silver bullets and whether those shortcuts uh, be uh, just uh, some uh, way to win the confidence of someone uh, a you know something unethical or even overtly sinful uh, sometimes it's not so overtly sinful sometimes it's just that we're not really taking the time to trust God or cultivate a relationship with him doing a good thing that isn't directed by God in your life is still a bad thing so uh, keep that in mind and uh, remember that uh, um, if, if Satan can explicitly and overtly tempt you or lead you astray then he'll look for ways to subtly do it distracting you or diluting your confidence in God and so forth but anyway as, as believers we're uh, we're constantly uh, assailed by things that that want to if they can't take away our confidence they want to at least poison our confidence in God um, and, and we um, in the scripture in verse 36 it tells us that if we hang in there if we don't lose confidence in God there is ultimately a great reward in in uh, trusting him and in holding on to him and and, and so forth and that great reward, of course, is like many other things, it's multifaceted. It's deeper intimacy with God, it's deeper fellowship with God. There are eternal rewards in, in regard to uh, the, 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 uh, the acts of obedience that, are, that come from faith in God, how they tend to um, produce eternal 
um, events and, and, and open the door for spiritual things to, to, to come to the surface and to be realized. And, and there are things in this life that you cannot see uh, that uh, uh, that are happening because of your faith and your obedience to God that you'll see in eternity when God calls you home or, or comes back and, and, and opens our spiritual lives more fully. There are things that we'll see in eternity that we cannot see right now. There is a great reward as you trust God and, uh, and don't lose confidence in Him. Uh, and also it, it tells us that if there is a great loss for us in verse 39. We just really have to hold on to God and to hold on to his word and his promises. So uh, that whole passage in Hebrews 10, if you just want to take time and read through it, it gives you a lot of insight in regard to not only the importance of, uh, of, of fighting for your confidence in the Lord um, and the reality of the, the fact that uh, you are um, intentionally attacked uh, your confidence in God is intentionally attacked. There are strategies, steps, or things that help in this life that uh, that deepen your confidence and help shore up uh, your faith and to protect your soul uh, and mind um, and thoughts, everything, uh, in regard to um, being confident that God is with you, God loves you, God holds on to you. The first one in verse uh, 22, it talks about how we draw near to God. We, we talk about relationship with God in, in, in John chapter 15, or 17, excuse me. Jesus, in his prayer, before he's uh, betrayed and, and led to the cross, he, he says a lot of very important, very wonderful things, uh, deep things, and sometimes hard things to hear, but important things nonetheless. And um, he talks about how e- eternal life uh, is fellowship of God, knowing God, intimacy with God, relationship with God. And so the, uh, the, one of the great things that uh, is true about Christianity is that it is about relationship with God. And that, that relationship with God is not secured by our righteousness. It's not secured by our works. It, it's secured through Jesus. And our faith in him opens the door for our participating in what he has done when he died in our place on the cross. So uh, when he died on the cross, of course, that payment for our sin, that substitutionary sacrifice that he made for us, enabled us spiritually to be able to approach God, even though we're by nature sinful. The sin has, is no longer counted against us, and we can approach God. And that, and that uh, is relationship. That is all about knowing God and fellowshipping with him. It's all about uh, spending time with him and knowing his heart, hearing his words, looking sp- spiritually at his face. And we do that through the reading of his word. We see God and he opens our, our minds, our hearts to see him as we pursue him. We draw near to God. Jesus made the way and God is approachable, and and he would not be approachable had not Jesus done what he did on the cross. And if we do not receive that, actively receive the gift uh, through a faith in Jesus, then we cannot participate in it. But because he did, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you renounce your sin, you forsake it, and you follow him uh, and as, uh, as a disciple of Jesus, then God is approachable. Uh, and then in verse, the second part of verse 22, it, it talks about guarding our heart. And um, in, in other words, um, the, 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 the idea that is uh, avoiding what would defile uh, our conscience or make us feel guilty. 
in regard to uh, our fellowship with God. In other words, we no longer, and that's another point in, in the larger passage there in Hebrews 10, we no longer continue in sin. It's not because uh, we can lose our salvation per se. It's because we cannot enjoy our fellowship with God, and we tend to run from God when our uh, and and to allow our relationship with Him to be stretched and distant, uh, because it's difficult to approach a holy God uh, when there is an unresolved sin issue in our lives. Um, and frankly, that, that how can that even be if we confess our sin and repent of it and trust Jesus, the Savior who died for our sin? Uh, so we we uh, we avoid those things that would defile our conscience um, and uh, or make us feel guilty in the presence of God. God doesn't intend for you to to remain in a an attitude of condemnation or of guilt. He wants you to know the freedom that Jesus purchased for you, and to walk in that freedom, to live in that freedom, to experience that freedom, and to not be afraid to approach Him. Um, and so you know we we. Our sin is paid for, it's gone, it's counted as having been cleansed from us, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That sin is removed from us and we can come in a spiritual sense clean into the presence of God in prayer and in worship. Um, then another way to guard our heart from losing confidence in him is just simply, verse 23, holding fast and intentionally uh, and assertively uh, trusting God. Now, you don't have to be obnoxious about uh, your faith in the sense that, you know, you being critical of other people who, 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 uh, whose eyes have not yet been opened to Jesus as Savior, On the, uh, or, or uh, be obnoxious about your self-righteousness. In fact, that's uh, what we might call pharisaical or hypocritical. We avoid those things. We don't want to be hypocritical or legalistic and pointing to our own righteousness because it's not our righteousness that saves us anyway. It's the righteousness of Jesus. We don't deserve it, but he grants it to us through as we place our faith in him. So we hold fast to him, pointing to him, not to ourselves, pointing to Jesus um, and, uh, uh, and, and and letting other people know that uh, uh, that God has done a great work in us, and um, there's a there's a gentle, loving way to do that. There are obnoxious ways to do that too, but the the Bible tells us to do uh, to speak the truth, of course, and to do so in love. And so, if you can't do it in love, then you need to rethink how you do it. Uh, verses 24 and 25 uh, it talks about encouraging other believers, and and I think about how we um, how we, when it talks about stirring up one another. Uh, how we act and how we speak uh, to one another. A lot of the time we're simply careless. Uh, sometimes uh, there's, there are unresolved insecurities in our lives that, uh, uh, that make us sarcastic or biting or critical. Um, but we need to confess those things and to allow him to cleanse us of that. And then um, act and speak in calculated ways that encourage others. Uh, how can I be a blessing to someone else if I see they're suffering or they're struggling in some way? If I see that they're weak, uh, maybe they're prone to, to falling into a pattern of sin that would poison their walk with God, then I need to encourage them and help them and help them to be, feel like they can return to God. Uh, one of the interesting and difficult lies that we tend to believe, it's very powerful, is that uh, that once we've failed in some way that God is not approachable still 
And we will, instead of coming to him and to be cleansed and renewed in our fellowship with him, we'll hide from him. Uh, we'll have that guilty conscience and we'll just kind of walk, lean away, run away, hide from him. And uh, what I can do as a believer, what you can do as a believer if you are one, is to uh, remind others that, uh, that Jesus is faithful and, and that his work on the cross was sufficient and that God is loving and graceful and encourage them with those words so that if they stumble that they can find that he's simply waiting to receive them again and to renew fellowship with him. Uh, and then it, it talks about how we should not uh, forsake the assembling of ourselves together. How, uh, this is a part of encouraging other believers. We need to gather. This is part of the reason for the church. There's more to it than that, but one very important aspect of church in general, attending a church, participating in its worship, its ministries, uh, Bible study, perhaps service uh, in the community with that church, uh, fellowshipping with that church, is that um, that it, in, it encourages our own walk with God. We with life against life, we, you know, people at church, they're, they're, uh, they're not perfect people. Even the pastors, uh, the leaders, the elders, the deacons, uh, the teachers, and so forth, they're not going to be perfect people, and you should not expect perfection of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, you should, you should have, hold them to a standard, however, so don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But we understand that as we come together, that, uh, that we need to do so in an attitude of grace, because it's grace that saves us, it's grace that keeps us. And so we need to be a people of grace for one another, not doormats, not letting people mistreat us or abuse us spiritually, emotionally, or physically, but, uh, but being graceful in that uh, we constantly at work to help one another to to know that God is always redemptive and, and that he's always working in our circumstances and our relationships to draw people back into relationship with himself, not to bar them because they don't measure up to some sort of standard that we have or our idea of religious perfection because we're all going to fall short. Um, and if we don't fall short of our own expectations, we're still somehow falling short of God's. Uh, in terms of our, 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 our holiness and, and, and so forth. Uh, and yet, he receives us gracefully. We should encourage one another in grace so that others also may not lose their confidence in him. Just as we struggle, they'll struggle. And uh, so we encourage one another in regard to being confident in who God is and, and the power of his word, the surety of his word. And then finally, and if you look down to verse 32, it talks about remembering the former things, recalling the former things. And I think about how that is an intentional and very practical bit of advice for us as believers so that we don't lose confidence. And that's to, to as we think about the former things, the things that God has done in the past, we celebrate. We celebrate the victories. We celebrate those moments we've experienced the power of God, the love of God, the, the strength of God, the truth of God, the mercy of God. And also, uh, we, as we celebrate our victories and our, these spiritual highs with God, we also learn from mistakes. Uh, and we remember we're, we're uh, people continually in need of the grace of God. Because no matter how much I have grown, still there are moments when I still fall short of God's perfection. A word, an unkind word, uh, impatience, uh, a proud thought or whatever. I, I, I want to learn from my, my mistakes and learn from how those things in the past have, 
have uh, made it easier for me to lose confidence or to be a part of someone else's losing confidence in God and his, his word and his love. And so I recall the former things and learn from the mistakes. And then I celebrate also the victories and the great things that God has done. And notice this, that, or I really want to underscore this, the victories that I'm talking about aren't really the victories that I have produced on my own. These are victories that uh, God has produced in my life as I trust him uh, and obey him. And, uh, and I celebrate that. I celebrate the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, and, uh, and those things. As I do that, as I, as I draw near to him, as I guard my heart, as I hold uh, fast to the, the testimony of, of Jesus Christ, as I encourage other believers, and as I recall those former things, uh, he, he strengthens me and my confidence in him grows, even in the face of trials and temptations. So think about these things and uh, allow a God to take perhaps this conversation and remind you that you're precious to him. You matter to him. You uh, are a person for whom Jesus died on the cross. He gave his life for you. And as you trust him, he opens the door for fellowship with him. And, and, and this knowledge that God goes with you in the details of your life, working in the circumstances, working in those chance meetings, encounters, the problems, the, the victories, the job promotions or the job loss, the, uh, the, the healthy days, the vacation days, the cancer days, the days where you are, your family members even maybe rejecting you, that God is working in all those things to draw you to himself, to increase your confidence in him and to know more powerfully, more deeply the, the love that he has for you. So take heart, because you are important to God. You are precious to God. And you are a person for whom Jesus gave his life willingly when he died on the cross. And that as you and know this, that as you trust him, he is faithful. He is so faithful, and he is good. So I hope that uh, you'll look to him and trust him and uh, allow um, him to, as you maybe take some time, maybe to spend a little bit of time in reading in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, just take some time and reflect on, uh, on how good God is and, and, and how he wants to help you protect your life from those assaults that come from the world and, and even come from our own imperfect flesh. Uh, those insecurities, those moments when we're scared, those moments when we feel like we don't measure up, uh, and, and then, of course, Satan would, in our ear, so to speak, whisper uh, all kinds of reasons why, um, why that's true. Uh, but God's grace is greater than our failures. God's grace is greater than our fallenness, and he's greater than the world. So take heart and uh, find your confidence in him renewed today. And if you haven't even started the journey yet, then today is the day to do it. As you trust Jesus, as you confess your sin, as you turn to him and, and receive his goodness and grace, uh, he is faithful to reach out to you, to receive you to himself, and to make something new of your life, giving you the victory that you need, giving you the hope that you need. So go in peace. God bless you. Join us the next time we produce this, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye.